Hello, welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy <laughs> and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Jenny. And today we're actually in the same room. Yeah. Having to make eye contact and all awkward. kinds of weird things. <laughs> we also don't know what podcast we're recording. <laughs> she said to do a second take of this because Allie's trying to be on her other podcast right now. It's all fine. Um, Signs of a full life. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Or too many podcasts. I don't know. One of those. Either or. Um... Yeah, well, I feel like I know how you are, because we've been hanging out for a day. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny um, came for a quick trip to uh, California, and I got to come visit yeah. and eat a lot of food. Eat a lot of food. Well, I, we might have talked about this before, but the Dominguez house is... I didn't even feel like this food was that central. bad. It wasn't, no. Compared to other It events. wasn't this holiday was level, like, but yeah. it was like high for a typical Saturday. Okay, yeah, high <laughs> for a typical Saturday, but average for a, a get-together. Yes. But we successfully modulated the tequila intake, so I think that's that true. Was <laughs> we had some margaritas that were pretty strong. We had hamburgers and hot dogs. In general, it was pretty good. Also, it's uh, on fire here, you know, well, relatively near here, and it was super smoky in the morning, and I was like, I was just really nervous about it. I was like, oh, I feel bad making people drive to see me just to, like, suffocate them, but it kind of cleared out, so. Well. I mean, uh, the fires are still burning, but yeah. it was okay here. I didn't notice when I got here, so it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah, but today... Sorry, that wasn't trying to indicate anything. I just... It's still kind of early, and I have, like, little frogs in my throat. Um, today, we're talking about Fool for Love and Darla, which were... I didn't... I, you know, as always, I forget everything about Angel that happens for almost the entire series, so I didn't realize that these were two episodes that were going to go together until I started watching the second one, which was kind of nice, because it was... It, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about them. Yeah. I certainly have a preference between yeah. the two, but I've got some things to say. No, I think structurally, this is a <clears throat> crossover that isn't necessarily a crossover. Right, right. Like, they didn't... I mean, there is a little bit of overlap. Like, obviously, Spike was filming for both shows, right. or James Marsters, but, like... I actually like the subtlety of the structure of it, where it's yeah. like a crossover, but it but makes you don't, sense. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel weird, because all the crossing over happens in the past. I right. Yeah. yeah. And it was definitely not the sort of thing where it was like, well, you wouldn't miss anything if you didn't watch the other one, yeah. necessarily. But it was Which certainly worthwhile to... Which I think is actually something that to... I did. I think I watched the Angel episode, oh, like, yeah. roughly when it aired, and it, I didn't watch the Buffy one for another couple years, yeah. and then I finally realized, oh, these are the same. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's get into it, because I have, as you can see, I have a lot of notes about yeah. Fool for Love. I have a lot fewer about Darla. I mean, in general, that's the, that's my, uh, that's the way it goes, but my, these are pretty long notes for me. Fool for Love is a big episode. That, it is, and yeah. it's a big Spike episode. It was definitely an episode that made me remember why I like Spike. I think it is a, I think it is, like, top-notch. Okay, so let's just talk about it. But uh, as always, I didn't write notes about my summer anymore, and so who knows what I'll say. So, okay, the gist of this episode is that Buffy's fighting a run-of-the-mill vampire in a cemetery, and somehow or another, he kind of gets the upper hand on her and stakes her in the stomach. So she gets a pretty serious injury and starts kind of having all these questions about, like, well, how did... Because she more or less almost dies. By, by if somebody... Riley weren't there, she'd be dead. Yeah, and if and in a totally... like banal circumstance it wasn't the master it wasn't a big bad it was just some hokey pokey vampire so um anyway so she starts really questioning like what ha what has happened to all the past slayers how did they die what is it about you know like what was it about that night that made her slip up for no reason she kind of starts wondering what were all the what happened to all the other slayers so she she and giles start going through the watcher diaries and un, kind of unsurprisingly don't find anything partially because like well the slayer was dead so she couldn't 
give an account of what happened, but also because, you know, for the Watcher, Giles suggests that for the Watchers, it's too painful to write about. And then I think also we know from the Watchers Council that they're not really that interested in that kind of topic. So unable to find anything kind of through more official channels, Buffy and Giles both realize that the one person who they could actually consult is Spike, who has personally killed two Slayers. So Buffy kind of makes a deal with him that she'll, you know, basically give him money to tell him how he killed two Slayers. Um, so they go to the bronze, eat chicken wings, uh, and Spike goes down the list of the the two Slayers that he killed, one um, in China during the Boxer Rebellion and one in New York City in the 70s on a subway. Um, and I and and while doing so, maybe uh, does some psychoanalysis on Buffy that she maybe needs. But yeah, so it's a very interesting episode. We get a ton of backstory on Spike. It also it's also the episode where we see how he was sired and how and like how and why he was sired. Well, I guess how or when we get the why and angel, but um, <clears throat> which we should talk about. Yeah, because it's a continuity error. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so by the end of it, Buffy is annoyed at everything that Spike has said. I mean, which we can again talk about. Um, So she kind of flings money at Spike because he also tries to kiss her and she's really disgusted about everything that he's been saying all night, which is talking about how he's killed two slayers, which she asked him to do. But anyway, um, so by the end of it, she is she storms off, goes home, sees her mom packing up to go to the hospital yet again. And her mom has to tell her that the thing that has, you know, her mom has been dealing with this issue of headaches and they haven't really known why. And she's going back into the hospital for observation. And like, of course she thinks she's sure as Buffy that is nothing, but obviously this is like a big scary moment for all of them. And so Buffy goes to cry on her porch. Spike meanwhile has decided that he's going to murder her once and once and for all, because she's been very mean to him. Uh, And of course, as soon as he sees her crying on the porch, he can't do it. And then the end. Notably, I think this is one of those rare instances where he has a gun. Like I know, he was going to kill her with a shotgun. Yeah, because I guess he thought that was the quickest way for him to do it, given that he could barely even point the thing at her. True, true. I don't know how he thought he was going to successfully shoot her that way. I guess it also kind of has an air of, like, like a shotgun is a pretty typical, like, you know, uh, I can't think, what's the word? Like, uh, crime of passion weapon. I think that's kind of, like, what you grab. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Which is funny, too, considering he had already told her that a slayer has to reach for her weapon, and he Mm -hmm. already has his, and yet he still, to kill her, has to go get a weapon. Well, in his defense, he can't bite her. Yeah, but still. That would never work. But that is funny. Proving his own words to be wrong. So, okay, let's just start at the beginning, maybe, or I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess my, (laughs) this isn't really a question, but I do think that it's funny that they kind of make a point about the first vampire that she's fighting that, like... He's just this nobody vampire. He does seem to be a little bit old, at least. Based he's on clear, his clothing, Yeah, I was like, yeah. he looks like he just stepped out of a, like, Motley Crue video in he, the 80s. He so got like, killed at, like, a Bon Jovi concert <laughs> or something. Which is not to say that he's, like, a big bad, but he didn't just crawl out of the grave. So I think a little bit credit, you know, this guy yeah. has been around for at least a decade, probably a little bit longer than that. That's my whole point about that, but... But I think it shakes Buffy because, you know, like, they talked about in the last year that she wasn't really training and she was just right, kind of right. just winging it as the Slayer. And then now, supposedly, because right. of all her training with That's Giles, true. like, she's supposed to be in the best physical shape of her life, the best, like, Slayer skills. And even with all of that, that's when she's had her closest breath- brush with death yeah. since the Master. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I certainly think it's cause for alarm. Oh, I mean, if Riley didn't show up, like, and, and, and that, I love that he does. Like, that's a through line of, like, mm. him following her on patrol where she doesn't necessarily want him, but in this particular instance, it does save her life because yeah. she's still having to fight this vampire bleeding from a gut wound mm-hmm. and, like, 
it's probably likely if he weren't there, she wouldn't have survived. I don't know. I think her Slayer strength would probably save... If she didn't get another blow, probably yeah. would have saved her. But yeah, yeah okay. I see what No, you I mean, mean, like, if she couldn't get rid of the vampire somehow, right. like... Yeah, that's true. Also, you know, so then they go home, and Riley's, like, patching her up, and Dawn does her... Dawn gets finally a moment of, like, not being irritating, where she gives an announcement to Buffy and Riley ahead of time that her mom is coming down the hall so that they can more or less hide the her injury from her mom because she doesn't want her to worry. Um, I liked that. I was like, oh, finally, so Dawn does something that's not totally irritating and I can remember that, like, she's okay, she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, she's not really in this episode. Yeah, but I guess let's just talk about Spike. This is a good Spike episode. Like, we... This is Spike's origin story, it is. I think. I mean, and it's hard for me to remember because I've watched all of this so many times, but I think it really is the first time you get... I think so, origin. too. I mean, like, yeah. as we see, there are some continuity errors. Like, all we really knew before is what Giles had read in the Watcher journals about him impaling his victim's heads with railroad spikes mm-hmm. and all <clears> of that, and we don't really see any evidence of that. We actually see here that his namesakes come from his human life. Right. Um, right. So... Suggesting, you know, he adopted them yes. because he wanted to yes. do a, he wanted to re, create a new persona yeah. for himself. Although, but as we've seen in this episode and in the next one, it's a, apparently a very common thing for vampires to adopt a new name when they're born. Yeah. Like, Angelus is given to him by Darla, and mm-hmm. Darla's, Darla's name and... isn't her own. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he would come up with something like that, but um, I do think the thing I want to point out right off the bat, just so we can move past it, <laughs> is that Angel is not his sire right yeah <laughs> which is something spike had said in season two yeah, of course and i mean it's certainly the thing that they've explained away which is to say that anybody in your sire line essentially is your yeah. sire but but this is certainly a mistake <laughs> yes, definitely Drusilla from calling darla grandma uh, yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> that's just the thing that i think always like it's very poetic that Drusilla drusilla sired him yeah but then when you go back with his issues with angel it doesn't it doesn't make, make as much, much sense, sense. Yeah. that's true um, but yeah, so basically, you know, <laughs> Spike is giving Buffy this, like, history lesson, his whole his whole backstory, and he's like, oh, I've always been bad, and then immediately we cut to a scene of him writing incredibly sappy, bad poetry at, you know, in England, he's the laughing stock of this party, he's writing a poem about Cecily, Cecily who is but actually will, a character we'll see again. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think she's the same person. They do make a nod to it eventually. Really? She, like, says something, she, like... I think the first time they meet, she's like, oh. They don't talk about it, but it's like a, there's definitely an acknowledgement. Hmm. I always thought they just recast. I think that they did, and I think they just decided to, like, mm. that was like, okay. it's it's sort of a retcon, but it's also like, well, okay. if you want to believe that they're the same people, you could, and if okay. you don't, then I think you can pretend they're different people. I think. I think that's the way so it plays So we will out. meet this, at least this actress again. The actress again, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, he's writing this poetry, he's trying to think of a word that rhymes with, that'll rhyme because gleaming won't work. It's like, very trite, and you, I mean, he's he's pathetic. He's a, he's just kind of a sad sack. It's like he's in love with this woman who clearly doesn't have the time of day for him. She literally tells him he, she's he's beneath her. Like that's one of them. I mean, and we'll come back to that. But that was like pretty much the meanest thing you can say to someone or among there. So so, but is that because maybe it's socially he's beneath her, or as a person she considers him beneath her? Like that's not really. It's clear. not clear. Like he's kind of the butt of the entire party like I think it's because though it's really seems to be because of his attitude and his behavior I mean at least for everybody else in the room I had that thought too I was like well maybe she's just yeah she's like too fancy for him but he is at that party you know he's not like one of the servants so I don't know 
He could still be beneath and everybody. This but... is London and Spike with a <clears throat> posher accent than we've heard him speak before. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, you know, runs away from the party more or less crying because he's had a terrible night and he's been rejected and runs into Drusilla, who in a very Drusilla way, kind of seduces him. I actually really like that scene. I was like, oh, she has... I mean, unsurprisingly, because Drusilla is sort of psychic. I mean, not even sort of. Drusilla has, like, not exactly mind reading, but, like, she can certainly see things that other people can't. And so, like, she tells him everything that he needs to hear. And she even, like, is, say, you know, repeating words of his poetry sort of back to him haphazardly. That, I don't know if that was in the script <clears throat> or an acting choice, but when she catches the word mm-hmm. that he had been like, like that they had been making fun of him yeah. for, but she's saying it like, yeah. like I think it was a full gent. Yeah, something. it is. <laughs> but she's saying it like it's the greatest thing ever. I yeah. mean, like that is like the most brilliant turn of like psychology that she's doing totally. on him because he's immediately like, who is this woman? You yeah. Know? And, but I just love the way she kind of like reaches for it and she just catches it. Yeah. Like, but which, cause she's talking about in these episodes, like seeing things floating around in the air and you yeah. have this sense of like, maybe she does because she, I think like, she does. Yeah. It. Yeah. And yeah. And then, and, and, I mean, yeah. And she basically tells him like, nobody understands you and nobody values you, but you're clearly strong and important more or less is like kind of the gist of what she's telling him. And I think of course that's very appealing, especially in that particular moment in his life to like, it, I mean, I'm sure that he didn't really understand what she's offering him as seems to kind of be the case in all of these situations, but it's certain I think even if she had been explicit about it at this moment, he probably would have taken it anyway. Um, and Spike goes down in the least manly way. But I guess right, right immediately. And this was before I realized that we were going to have a two parter and like kind of go into Darla and Angel's storyline more. I was thinking how much. I, and this isn't exactly fair because I don't want to say that I prefer Spike's story to Angel's because they're very, very different. But I really think his storyline is doing something so different because like his and this whole episode was like so much more about everybody's like psychological issues. Right. Mm-hmm. That it was like. I and, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is that like I really like that Spike's sire story is one of like not exactly it's not redemption, but it's like, he really did need to start over. And like, I like that he kind of got the, like, the, this is like him being a vampire is so different from Angel being turned in. Angel just happened, you know, Angel just ran into a wall, you know, accidentally and like, poof, he was a vampire and then like kind of ran with it. But like Spike, he didn't seek it out, but he like kind of needed it. And I said something about this, like... Him- a different option in life and like, he takes it. But I guess, and he yeah. takes it as that. Yeah. As that path that she's offering him. Like, it's not... And again, this totally puts a lie to the whole idea of, like, vampire takes over of your course, body. Of course, yeah. And, like, it's I mean, clearly a I huge part of him. we beyond that. Yeah. Because, like, in this, both of these episodes, we're showing that there's clear motivation that they're working out issues from their human lives as yeah. well. I mean, otherwise, like, why does Angel go back and kill his family? Exactly. Why does Spike yeah. go back and, like, murder people? Why or, does he like, take William the Bloody as his name? Right. Yeah. Or, you know, come up with this whole idea of spikes where this mm-hmm. guy at the party was like i'd rather be railroaded mm-hmm. through the head or like spike through the head with a railroad spike or yeah. something and why do all <clears> these <throat> things impact them if they truly don't have yeah. any yeah but again i guess i think i just appreciate that in spike's story he and i again i was kind of noticing this throughout the episode is this like spike enjoys being a vampire because he's getting something out of it and he has been since day one which is i don't have to be that person anymore now i can you know it's kind of his like nerd revenge story yeah. of like oh now i'm a hot girl i took off my glasses and like screw all of you and I guess I just thought that was really satisfying like not you know it's not pure and it's not like a good motive but it's certainly relatable like it's a nice fantasy um well I think where Angel or Angelus 
enjoys being a vampire from a purely evil standpoint. Like, he just truly enjoys the torture. Mm -hmm. I think Spike relishes it because he truly enjoys being powerful. Yeah, In a way that he wasn't as a human. Exactly. it's, It's... it's not good, but it's like I'm a little more inclined to let him off the hook because he's not just pure evil. Well, it's exactly, like he's yeah. Just trying to kind of prove himself. Yeah, and I think we've had that conversation a long time ago about Angel as well. Is that like in general, Angel Angelus? I mean, more so. Well, both of them. A lot of his past life was about him not making any choices, and so again, it's like I, I don't want to say that Spike's better. This isn't. I mean, I'm not trying to make a case for like why Spike is the better vampire. I just think I appreciate that their stories are very, very different, and that it's like oh. He is definitely making choices. Again, it's like, Drusilla doesn't say, do you want to be a vampire? And he says yes, but it's like, mm, I'm pretty sure she had said that he would have gone for Spike it. Spike feels like, a little less passive. Like, he's, he's making, making decisions yeah. to change his accent. And, yeah. you know, um, I don't think it's an accident that he's the one who ends up killing Slayers. Because yeah. it's like, that's the ultimate badge of honor it for is. a vampire. And I don't know if he sought out the Slayer. It seems like when he killed the first one, he didn't even really understand who she was. But he, I think he did know in the first one because they had a conversation pre- before that. Once Drusilla told him. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think he did know, but maybe well, not. Well, he knew what a Slayer was, but I don't know if he knew truly that understood was the when he was that that was a Slayer until hmm. Drusilla told him. But I think it's an interesting thing that um, when he hears about the Slayer, he's His... thinking, what's that? I want to kill her, mm-hmm. you know, whereas Angel's, it seems, is just thinking about her left alone. Like, yeah. Well, and in general, as soon as, you know, cut to a few years past, you know, um, Spike turning, he's running with his new gang of Drusilla, Darla, and Angelus, and they keep getting run out of towns because he's, like, showboating. (laughs) And then then Angel's like, you need to just stop doing this. And I think, you know, again, there's just so many differences between the two of them and their attitudes about what being a vampire is and what it's for, that it's just very... Which I think plays into, I mean, I think, not to jump ahead too much to Angel, but Mm -hmm. I think it's unavoidable given the... Flashbacks are interwoven, but you know we'll see in the angel one where when he first um, is traveling with Darla and like they encounter the master and Mm -hmm. he takes her away from this life of living underground and having to hide. Yeah, because Angel's whole thing is we should be able to live amongst them and like enjoy the life that's above ground. But like the only way to do that is to not get caught, and so we kind of see the tension of that where. Once you go back and see why Angel might not want to be driven underground into the sewers, right. why he's so angry at Spike because Spike's, like, you know, like you said, showboating and, like, antics are driving them back to where Angel has didn't previously said be. he really yeah. didn't want to be. Yeah, that's a good point. But, yeah, so I guess kind of moving along to their his actual conversation with Buffy. Yeah. I mean, I have to say right off the bat that, like, this is not Buffy's finest moment. And I understand. I don't think it's... I almost never think that she's doing something that I, you know, it's not that I don't believe that she would have this reaction because it's got to be hard to sit there and have someone tell you all the ways in which you're going to die. But she literally asked him to do this. And I see she, this is Buffy at her most self-righteous where I'm like, you literally said to him, tell me how you killed people. And then you call him disgusting for killing them. I'm like, you knew that going into it though. Also, she knew who she was asking. Like, it's not like, like, I think she thought she could give him money and he would give her some clinical blow by blow of like, okay, first she threw this punch and I parried and like, like that's what Buffy wants is she wants the like takedown of like the actual fight and what she's getting instead is Spike's, like again, like you said, it's kind of psychological, like he's reading that like what she's really interested in is like understanding like why, why 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 they slip up. Exactly. Why they slip up and like, as he's telling her like, part she's kind of enjoying the fact that she has this like death hanging over her every day and so spike is like obviously playing into that and telling her this story and he's not giving her what she expected and right. she is 
giving him attitude about it because it's an uncomfortable truth for and, her. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I really do get it, but he's telling you what you do need to yeah. hear. Like, if anything, he's really doing her a favor. Yeah. You know, like, if he if they didn't have this conversation, I'm not sure the lesson would have really sunk in no, for her. And you I know, think, and it's... Yeah, yeah I think so, what he's saying is it's not about the fight. Of course it's lost. not. Yeah. Like, it's about, like... I mean, but I she has to know that, that already because the first thing that she says is, I'm in peak physical condition. So it's like, yeah, yeah it has nothing to do with that, Buffy. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's, and I think, but I think we kind of see that in the flashbacks where, I mean, we do see the fights. Yeah. They happen, but they're relatively short compared to everything else. I think we get a little mm-hmm. more time in the subway fight, but I think just because visually that's it's fun. Yeah. actually amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is great. And that scene where, um, the subway, the, the train goes through the tunnel and it gets it's, dark and, and then, then they switch. Switch positions. Yeah. yeah that was cool. Um, but I think because it's not about that. It's yeah, about, exactly. like the fight is inconsequential in the end. Someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. Mm -hmm. It might not be you every time, but I think what he's trying to tell her is like she's thinking about it the wrong way yeah yeah Which exactly it's almost like him doing her a favor like if that's what i'm saying her, it's like, like the clinical blow by blow of the fight then yeah she walks away he's richer and like there's certainly a part part of him that's enjoying this because he's getting to spend more time with mm-hmm. buffy and he's getting to kind of lord something over her which i think no matter how much he thinks he loves her he also is still a little bit you know he's still got his own kind of evil motives and yeah. so he's probably enjoying this a little bit but i think yeah at the end of the day like it's just she yeah i'm just like I know why she's so annoyed, but she really does go well, above and, and beyond what I think she should have done. And I favorite, get it that, like, she doesn't need to be nice to him because he's a monster, but also he's a monster and you asked him to help you. Yeah. So, like, anything that he's doing is what kind Buy of crazy. chicken wings and shut up. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. His demands aren't extravagant. You're in and the bronze already. chicken wings. They're delicious. Chicken wings are great. Yeah. <laughs> but I do love the exchange where she's really disgusted because he's telling her about when he killed the first Slayer and she's like... You got off on it. And I know. And he's like, what, you don't? And then like, she's know. had all these conversations with, like, Faith, Faith and all these people. I was thinking about and that. And I was like, uh, excuse me, Buffy, you and Riley totally got off on killing Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and I think that's, again, that's why it's like, people do call her self-righteous, because she kind of is. Because yeah. she doesn't want to ever admit that she has these darker inclinations, or not even necessarily dark, but just, like, everybody has their like, strengths why, and weaknesses. Why wouldn't it be like, the same? Like, why yeah. when you kill a demon and, like, you get off on it? Yeah, why, why is it different? Yeah. So, and I think she does kind of realize in that moment, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but again, that's why she gets so angry because she's now having to, like, it's yeah. the worst when someone tells you something about yourself that you don't want to know. Um, but also, you know, anyway. Um, <clears throat> I did kind of think, okay, so one of the things that he told her also when they were kind of having that is that death is her art. I thought that was also an interesting kind of seed. They're kind of sowing seeds, I think, for what... Well, I mean, obviously they're sowing seeds for the rest of the season, but that line in particular jumped out at me because death is her gift is going to be another thing that kind of circles back. Like, Buffy gets obsessed with her own death, basically, in this whole yeah. epi- this whole season of, like... Or not actually her own death, but how she is a killing machine. Yeah. And so I think he's actually maybe the first person to kind of say that in a way that I think that also, like, might be the genesis for her of, like, why she starts really going down that path of thinking like, oh, being the Slayer means that I kill and that's what it means. It means I'm a killer. Well, I think you're right. I think death is a theme of this season. Mm-hmm. Maybe not always overtly, but it's there. I mean, I think starting with, well, <laughs> not always overtly, but obviously overtly. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I think starting with even the finale of the last season with the yeah. first Slayer, I mean, I think she makes some reference to like, death is her gift or art. Or, does she say something like that? I think that's I? later, but maybe you're, Maybe I don't it's remember. later, but I, I do think there's some kind of seed planted in Buffy's mind that like she is more about death than she originally was yeah. thinking like she thinks she's some crusading soldier on the side of good and she is she is but, like, yeah. also what that means and I think throughout the season witnessing death and 
traumatic death mm-hmm. and um, contemplating like an enemy who might be unbeatable and thinking about, yeah. okay, there's a very real possibility of my death. What Like, I think for the first time she's considering even more than she did when the master was going to kill her because that timeline was very compressed. And she, she was, was so much younger. 16 yeah. and like, it was more tragic. But I think thinking about, I think all of this gets her to the place where she's like, okay, this is an inevitability. Mm-hmm. Can it be a good thing or can I give, you know, I, I right, think you're right. right. I think this is the beginning of like her. Of thinking, the arc of this, yeah. of her arc in this season of trying to deal with yeah. what, what all this killing really means and what, yeah, what it adds up to. And, and even you're right that it, like, he's also making all these points about like death is hanging over you always. You're definitely going to die at some point. And that is an, ine- it is inevitable for her in a way that it's not for vampires. Like I think, yeah. you know, the master proves it. And really any of them is like, they are immortal if they don't get themselves killed. Whereas yeah. for Buffy, she's still human. Yeah. And so, like, best case scenario, she hides in a cave for 100 years, but she's still going to die, you know? So, yeah, I guess I just, there was, yes. I mean, I think when her conversation with Giles, where she says, I mean, I always know there's an expiration date, but it she says it in a way where it's like, she never really considered that it might actually catch up with her. Like, right. Because Buffy's gotten to the point where, It's like, a thing that she knows cognitively, but hasn't, like, really taken in. Also, like, having died and come back to life fighting the master, having survived, like, the mayor and mm-hmm. Angel and, like, all of these things... She's probably got a bit of an ego. Like, well, she thinks she's the, the best Slayer ever. And, like... That's another thing that Spike says to her, though, yeah. is, like, you have started to think you're immortal. And she does. She does think that. Yeah. Um, oh, I also appreciated that he... Um, just because this is, like, I think, clean, you know, themes and storytelling. Um, another thing that he tells her is, like, well, the only thing... You're, the only reason you're still alive is because you have these ties to the world, which are your friends and your family and your Scoobies or whatever. Um... And I thought that, that, you know, of course they're sewing again, they're like dropping hints and, and putting things in place for things that are going to happen. But even in that moment where he's specifically naming like essentially her mom and Dawn as two of the big things that hold her to this planet, she's just found out that Dawn isn't real and her mom is about to go into the hospital. So it's like, it really is like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was a nice, like, well, it's true. Y- in that she... moment, she's probably thinking about how Dawn isn't real, I guess was like a, my yeah. big takeaway was yeah. like, oh, now I have one fewer. T- I already have one less tie to the world than I thought I had. Because if she loses her mom, then she has to make a decision about whether she lets Dawn tie her to the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think we see that down yes. the road. She certainly does. Yeah. But I think it's a very real thing of like, okay, if my, cause there's a very real risk at this point, like something's wrong with her mom. She mm-hmm. doesn't know. But like, if that goes a bad, bad way, which which it we know where it does. Will go, but, but if it does then then yeah. what is true if this is true what spike is saying then how powerful are the other ties like how powerful yeah. are the scoobies how powerful is dawn knowing what she knows about mm-hmm. dawn like she can buy into the emotion that the monks have planted in her right. and like choose to let that tie her or you know maybe she doesn't so yeah and i think actually we see a lot of the outcome of this in the next season of like what might happen if she doesn't let those things right yeah, yeah. She. Yeah. <laughs> there was something else I had to say about Spike. Oh, I guess I just want to talk quickly about his little, uh, about the actual flashbacks to him killing the Slayers. Because mm. they are interesting. Well, we see where he gets his jacket. We see where he gets his jacket. Yeah. Um, I guess I, yeah. They were both, uh, Alex's kind of comment was like, oh, they get to do like a mini like um, martial arts film and like a mini black exploitation film. I kind of didn't see it as much as I thought I would having that in my head, but I did, I did appreciate, yeah, you get to kind of do these little tone shifts in the film. And again, like you said, like the subway one was particularly exciting. Um, I think it was a really cool concept for it and everything that Spike does in that. And he just looks super cool in that one. (laughs) Even more Billy Idol than he normally is. But I also think it's nice to see, I think they, aside from Faith, maybe they've, 
actually seem to have made some sort of effort to imply the true diversity of the Slayers. That, they that they're truly, around the world. Right, that they truly can be called anywhere. Like, yeah. I think, you know, Faith being called right after Buffy or Kendra, mm-hmm. as I guess, is like, well, they both spoke English and like, you know, that's all <laughs> yeah, a little bit little like, out. okay, convenient for the sake, I think, of just putting on the TV show. But yeah. I think seeing that there was a Slayer in China in 1900 and like, um, and then later there was a Slayer in New York in the, um, in the seventies. Like, I think it truly yeah does actually do a nice job of painting the picture of like, they can literally be anywhere. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was a nice little peek into the fact that maybe some of the other Slayers in history weren't so as alone as like, she might've been led to believe because like the one Slayer That's says, true. tell my mother, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then we'll see later. The other Slayer definitely had a tie to the, yeah. you know, the world as well. Um, we don't really get to know her as well in this Mm-mm. episode as the other one. She doesn't, I don't think she says anything. Mm-mm. Um. But I thought that was interesting. Like, that's a good the point. The Slayer saying, tell my mother I'm sorry. I mean, Spike doesn't know what she says because she doesn't <laughs> speak doesn't Chinese yeah. and also. Nor does he care. Nor does he care, <laughs> right. Like, why would, why would, you know. Yeah. But, um, I thought that was interesting. Also the different fighting styles. Too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yeah, it was exciting to watch those. Yeah in China was influenced by some sort of Chinese martial arts. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Slayer on the subway, I mean, that whole fight is more hard scrabble and, like, street fight, kind mm-hmm. of, like, you know, she's... Or Spike, more than her, I guess she's fighting with her stake, but Spike's breaking apart the train. I know. Like, That's the like, thing that yeah. I really liked. He takes the subway pole, and then he does his little spin with it. I was yeah. like, you just look really cool. And that scene ends up in the credits, or yeah. is already there, and I'm like, that. I, I like that. But I think it kind of speaks to, like, the fighting style a little bit, too. Like, yeah, it's totally. Less, it's, like, like not... intentional. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I think the Slayer in China was really interesting. Like, she was doing a whole bunch of choreographed moves with Spike, with this vampire, and it's, like, mm-hmm. is that really the best way to go about it? Yeah. But, yeah. but, yeah, so, okay, so at the end of all of this, you know, meanwhile, us, the audience, know that Spike has realized recently that he's in love with Buffy. So we see even a few more, we see a flashback of him and Drusilla when they originally left Sunnydale back in season two. And they were in South America, and we had heard this story that Drusilla, like, had a, cheated on him with some... Mucusy demon. Yeah, I forget what the name of the demon is, but he, we see him, and he's, like, a little bit <laughs> silly. Um, but, like, that she's there in that scene, I was, I guess I just had this thought, where I was like, oh, it does kind of suck when your girlfriend is psychic, because it's like, she can just tell that Spike is... She can tell because of her abilities that, like, Spike is... But at this is, point, it's not, like... He's not lusting after her. Or no, like no. It's just, it's, it's just truly, obsesh- obsessed. His whole yeah. thing with Buffy comes out of this obsession of, like, yeah. because he's already killed two Slayers, mm-hmm. I think this is the same thing that Buffy's going through right now, is, like, his ego is, like, ballooned. And, like, True. why is this one Slayer impossible to kill? Right. Why, you know? And I think the fact that Drusilla is saying she's floating all around you is, like, Spike is obsessing over the fact that he couldn't kill her, but also like we've seen, he had so many chances. There's something yeah. about Buffy that he's always like, it's never gone far it's enough true. to kill her. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a great scene to show that like his obsession with her might have been there all along. Yeah, I mean it definitely has. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I guess I did like the final scene between him and but or not the final scene, but the final scene after they're you know they're at the bronze and they go outside and they're like play fighting, um, which I also thought was interesting. Um, you know, Buffy basically, but Spike kind of gets swept up in the moment and thinks that he can go in for a kiss, which of course he can't. And that part, that's fair. Like Buffy reacts with disgust, which she, she should. But then her reaction is to fling money at him um, and tell him that he's beneath her, which is of course, you know, now we've seen it's a rehash of the like kind of original reason, like 
Certainly a really, really important moment in his human life was the last time somebody and said that to him. still proves to be a huge trigger yeah, Exactly. For him. So it's like, he's crying on the street, and I was like, this is so sad. I mean, it's really pathetic. Like, he's... He hasn't changed at all in most ways. It's like, I mean, in the title of this episode is Fool for Love. It's clear that he is this, he's like a sap romantic at heart and he just like can't get out of that pattern. <laughs> I mean, and it is pathetic and it's not appealing, but it is definitely like, it did tug at my heartstrings where I was like, oh, Buffy, you didn't have to say that. I get it. I get that you're mad, but I don't it's think like it's, a, it's, she didn't know that that was No, 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 of course she, she didn't. Just, but, it's an accident that But I think that's a really mean thing oh, to say anyway. Yeah. And kind of a little bit uh, irrelevant. It wasn't exactly, like, a sequitur. It was a little bit, like, that doesn't exactly make sense of what you're saying other than to be a callback. But, um, yeah. I mean, the flinging the money is pretty mean, too. <laughs> but then I love the, the, the scene at the end. I know. even Buffy realizes, like, because he's trying to, like, he's, like, patting her yeah. on the back and he's, like, comforting her. And she just has this look on her face, like, of confusion yeah. and, like what's happening happening? like why is he doing this but also in the moment like she can't tell any of her friends any of this and so she's not telling him what's wrong but like he's a source of comfort so well and i think that that's also what you just hit on too is i mean i think this is always going to be one of the draws of one of the reasons that they ever get together or flirt or whatever is because there there are always going to be these things that she can't tell anyone else that like he kind of is a sounding board because she doesn't really care what he thinks he's not going to tell her friends because he doesn't care about them or like them. So it's like there, he is kind of this safe spot for her in this really weird way. And then, yeah, and as we've seen, it's like he just can't help himself. Like he was so mad at her. He was literally gunslinging on his way there. And as soon as he sees her crying, he's just like, he can't do it. And I like that his like his reaction isn't just to like comfort her awkwardly, but he also the first thing that he does is like ask her what he can do, which is like, I mean, it's better if you just do something, but it's like still a really sweet moment of like, oh, what is there something I can do? Like, of course, the answer is no. But uh, oh, wait, there's other one other thing that we didn't talk about in this is that Riley goes off. Riley continues to kind of downward spiral. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after after running into that vampire with Buffy, he takes the rest of the Scoobies to go like hunt it. The Scooby Scoobies are uncharacteristically completely hapless. Yeah. Being loud, wearing bright colors, like not like they've been on patrol a thousand times. They have in fact done the patrol by themselves when Buffy was gone at the end in the beginning of season three. So like I don't know where this like complete lack of <laughs> awareness is coming from. It was like a little bit weird. Xander inexplicably doesn't know why Riley's waving his arms. Like, but yet when they need him to, he has vast knowledge about military yeah, yeah. reserves. Okay. It's like that was a weird, like, I guess they just thought it was funny, but it didn't make any sense at all. Um, so Riley goes and they agree that like, oh, there's a vamp nest and he's not going to do it. Uh, they're going to wait until the day to take it out. And then of course, as soon as everybody leaves, Riley just goes, um himself and kills the nest with a grenade with a grenade taking out some family mausoleum i was like that's extremely disrespectful (laughs) riley what are you doing somebody paid a lot of money for that but i think the point is that he lies and tells them that they'll come back in the morning Mm -hmm, when the vampires are sleeping and he immediately goes back and tries to take them out himself Mm -hmm. i mean he manages to do it which is going to just feed his concept that he can do these things on his own idea that he has to prove to himself that he can himself take care Mm -hmm. of these things which is like you're saying, a continuing downward spiral. Not, Riley's not, not in a good mental space. He's not. Okay. Do you want to talk about Darla? Yeah. Or Angel, I suppose. Yeah. Angel and Darla. It's more about Darla. I mean, like, as much it is as more about Darla. Fool for Love is an origin story for Spike, we get another origin <laughs> story for Darla in this one, which I think is necessary in that Darla is becoming a bigger part of Angel. Mm-hmm. But And it's interesting. It gives us more insight into Angel's history as well. So, um... 
in this episode, Angel's frantically trying to figure out, like, where Darla's being kept. Like, mm-hmm. in the last episode, they had this big showdown where um, she thinks she's going to somehow convince him to be bad. I mean, it's, you know, he's telling her that, like, she's got a soul and things are about to get really bad. And so we see that they are getting really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, she's starting to remember the things that she's done. She also doesn't really understand what she is. Yeah. Like, she's always asking Wolf from heart, you know, what did you bring me back as? Am I human? Am I a vampire? I have memories of both. Which yeah. one am I supposed to be? Um, and so eventually, um, you know, we we get this series of flashbacks throughout mm-hmm. the whole, but the, the modern-day story is that eventually she does come where she calls angel mm-hmm. essentially or there's a whole bunch of shenanigans at wolfram and heart sure. that i won't really get into but not important but she reaches out to angel and she comes to the hotel and she thinks that he's gonna help her or mm-hmm. he, he offers to help her but she thinks that that means he's gonna turn her into a vampire and make the pain go away the easy way yeah and angel decides no you have to go through this and yeah you know accept what you've done and um, but the difference is, like as they say, like Darla has to confront it almost in a realer way than Angel does because she's not a vampire; she's human, yeah. and so she feels the pain more acutely. Yeah, she also has this death of like mortality hanging yeah. over her, like disease. And yeah. we see from the flashbacks that that's how she was probably going to die mm-hmm. as a human, you know, through disease. And um, so she's not happy with this, and so she leaves, and Angel's left to wonder, okay, well, what now? Yeah, but. The most important story here is the flashbacks and how they're tying in with Fool for Love, too. But we see Darla's beginning as mm-hmm. Virginia Colony. I mean, she is an, she's an old vampire as well. Yeah. She was created in the 1600s. Yeah. Um, early 1600s. I think it was like 1609 or something. Anyway. I never pay attention to the back, dates. Yeah. Pretty far back. But she's dying of probably like... Syphilis, Syphilis or, something. or yeah. tuberculosis or combination. Or, sounds like she's got what Xander had yeah. <laughs> in pangs. Yeah. And the master shows up to save her mm-hmm. because he's somehow heard of her or seen has her, picked her out as someone to, to turn. Mm-hmm. And so um, Darla's turned into a vampire and joins the master's cult or mm-hmm. order or whatever she calls it. Um, and eventually, you know meets Angel and turns him as well. And mm-hmm. Angel convinces her to break with the master and go above ground and not hide away from the world and, you know, be a vampire and enjoy it, but also enjoy the idea of, hey, the world's pretty good right mm-hmm. now. Like, we can have rooms with a view and fancy things. And then we see them um, with Drusilla in London when they're, Drew's saying she's lonely and wants to, you know, maybe make a, a companion. A mate, yeah. <laughs> and, um... So Darla and Angel kind of, con- you know, convince her to do that. They end up with Spike. and <laughs> But then um, we see the aftermath then of Angel being turned by the gypsies after he kills them. And uh, Spike and Darla and um, Drusilla are in the camp basically getting their revenge on everyone. Angel's run away. Mm-hmm. And Darla's disgusted that Angel has a soul now and she's left dealing with the the rest of the family, as yeah. it were. <laughs> and so Angel comes back to her, begs her to take him back. She Essentially because she breaks up with him because he's got a soul. Yeah. She conditionally takes him back if he can prove that he's just as evil as he always was. Mm-hmm. And he's not. Like, we see uh, yeah. during the Boxer Rebellion, he saves a missionary family. Darla kind of knows what's up. He's mm-hmm. feeding on vermin. She can smell it. She's disgusted. Spike, meanwhile, has killed a slayer. Yeah. Like, he's being who Angel is supposed to be, and Darla is just over it. She goes back, kills the missionary family, 
takes the baby, tries to get Angel to kill the baby. He mm. won't do it, and he runs away. And that's the last time I think they see each other before. And, mm-hmm. Before Sunnydale. Before Sunnydale, yeah. So basically, I mean, nothing of great importance happens in this one. It's not, I don't think it has the emotional weight, or maybe it's supposed to, but I feel like Full for Love was a more successful episode, but I do think we fill in the blanks a little bit on Darla's history Yeah, in a way that doesn't make us, like, feel bad for her, but I also, like, understand more where she's coming from, why she's so afraid of being human, and why she truly doesn't understand who she is because yeah now she's brought back as a human but human darla that we see in the flashbacks is very like at the end of it Mm -hmm. and so she's not but she's not the darla that we see the rest of the time either right i think i mean out the gate the 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 big difference between these two episodes i would say is that it's just never there's no way for it to be as emotionally resonant as the other one because we haven't spent that much time with darla in the show you know Mm -hmm. spike has been around for five seasons now. So it's like, yeah, I do care about him at this point as a character. And I'm interested. I'm very interested when they tell us, give us these kinds of back background and these little details that make you kind of feel for him. Whereas like with Darla, it's not only that she has a less sympathetic story, but it's really just that like, I, I mean, I've said before that like I have, I'm having a lot of trouble connecting with Darla because she's just not my favorite. I don't think she's not my favorite actress. She's not my favorite character. I don't really like what she contributes to the story. And so like, I appreciate getting this background knowledge on her, but yeah, it's like not a story that really, it didn't feed me in the same way. You know, it was like, it was interesting, but I have to say that my interest in it was definitely more, how did this tie into the previous episode? Mm -hmm. Then what does this mean for Darla and her future? And it's like, it's tough because they really are struggling with some things. I think that, you know, it's clear that in the beginning of the episode as in the offices of Wolfram and Hart or wherever she's staying, you know, she's suicidal right now because she can't, she's dealing with so much and there's literally nobody except for Angel, that can help her or offer her any kind of comfort because she's just going through these things. She doesn't know, you know, it's very much kind of like some things that we're going to see later in Buffy too is like she doesn't even know physically, like, am I human and can I die? You know, it's got to be pretty existentially draining. So I, she's in a sympathetic position, but it just it didn't quite... It's not even that it didn't click with me. It's just not the same yeah. impact. And you Wolfram know? and Hart can't help her because, like, we see Lindsay is somewhat sympathetic to her, but well, also she's right in that he mostly just wants to sleep with her. He does. And I, Which yeah. is gross. It but is then gross. Also, <laughs> but then the higher-ups at Wolfram and Hart also, like, this is their plan. Is exactly. to bring her back and have her crack up in this way. And we don't know why yet, but... Yeah. So that's all kind of murky... But then also, I think Darla is supposed to be providing us this emotional weight for Angel. Right. But and mostly, again, Angel yeah. is just acting extremely annoying in this he entire so plot. So, like, he's acting rashly, he's, like, not listening to anyone, and he's doing stupid things. So it's like, I don't, I yeah. don't, I don't care. Like, I'm yeah. just like, this is making you, and he'll continue to make bad decisions. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's a frustrating yeah. side of him. It doesn't bring out the best in him. Like, there's even this scene where they're, like, trying to figure out where she is. And it's, like, it takes... It's, like, thank God Gunn was there. He was, like, hey, we could look at, like, records and stuff. It's, like, oh, yeah, do detective work to figure yeah. this out? Yes, you could also do that. Like, And I think what's frustrating, too, is I think the show is getting a little bit ahead of itself and trying to make us feel that Angel has some crazy connection to Darla. Which exactly. In Buffy, we never saw that. I mean, he, yeah. he kills, kills Darla her. <laughs> pretty easily in the first yeah. season. And... There's no indication that he's suffering afterwards mm-hmm. or that he's sorry that he did it. I mean, he makes a very clear choice of, like, Darla is threatening Buffy and he's going to kill Darla. Yeah. But now they're trying to retcon this whole emotional history, which they kind of which hinted they, at, which yeah. is fine. I believe that he was, she was, like, his ex-girlfriend and sired him and all of that. That's okay. But now they're trying to say that, like, Angel can't keep can't think clearly where Darla is concerned and she's exactly. got a huge and it's like, emotional, like hold on him and like he's so concerned about her and I'm just like but 
Why? We've seen no indication up until this it's point. It's kind of like when people try and tell Buffy, like, you, you don't think rationally about Angel. And I was like, she killed him once when she had to. She's yeah. rational about it. It's yeah. fine. Like, yeah, it's like Angel was in the same boat. You're right. It's just and like, I think they're trying to patch that over by saying are. that he's concerned because he feels responsible that they brought her back to, like, torture him. And then also she's a fellow. Now she's an innocent soul because she's human and he yes. needs to help her. And it's But, his, like, none of that like, really feels true to me. That it's like, I just don't but think she's that... so clearly want his help either yeah yeah and i and and it's kind of the thing that i i think the part of this this episode that was the most interesting was kind of their final showdown where you get to see that like hey not everybody who comes back with a soul is going to feel the way that angel feels i think Mm -hmm. that that is kind of a nice like hey not all vampires are the same you know like and granted she's only had she's only been living with this for like maybe a month you know so like maybe down the line she'll turn turn a corner and feel more like angel does but um I think that's their big thing is that Angel feels like she's actually been given a gift by coming back as human. Right, and she, and she feels like it's a curse. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what she sees as a curse is, you know, one man's trash, is yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I guess I think that was kind of the more interesting part of the story. And I, you know, yeah, maybe if they had leaned on that a little bit harder, would have been a little bit more, in, I don't know what the word is, I guess interesting that, like, it's more interesting to me that Darla is there asking Angel to turn her, or I kind of thought she might have also been asking him just to kill her. I think she probably would have accepted either one, though, frankly. Um, So I think, yeah, that, like, her solution and the things that she wants are so different from what Angel wants, and I think kind of playing with that tension is a lot more interesting than trying to convince me that she's the great love of Angel's life when it's like they don't seem to have that much chemistry. And David Moranis has good chemistry. You know, he's already got a better rapport with Cordelia, and he... He didn't I maybe have it with Buffy, but like storyline suffers a bit from the lack of yeah, yeah, and it's like it's weird how noticeable it is because they should just be better at it. But <laughs> but I think it, there are interesting parallels between Darla and Spike in that mm-hmm. they're two vampires who clearly revel in being vampires. That's true in a different way than Angel. Like Angel as Angelus, like we've talked about, obviously enjoyed what he was, but I think he didn't care about being a vampire or even dying or living. I think it's yeah. just like he just wanted to create mayhem and chaos yeah. and like yeah, enjoy for the pain. Sure. But like Angel now with a soul, like as he tells her, like you damned me, but like neither Darla nor Spike and now they don't have souls. So maybe that's it, but they don't consider this damnation. Like they both love the fact that well, they were vampires. And I think if, if something that you said there also just kind of made me think about, you know, even as vampires, I think Spike and, and um, Darla, still have a lot, revel a lot in creature comforts. Or, like, mm-hmm. they have things that, they're also tied to the world, sort of the way that Buffy is, in a way that, and, and like, we've seen, the whole theme in Angel has also been, like, how disconnected he is from everybody. I think even as Angelus, that was his MO. You know, yeah. like, that's kind of also, like... He liked being out in the world because that's he, where the people were. But like he doesn't prey, care about... he's not, like, I need my feathered beds and, like, you know, And, not, and even more and, than that, like, he yeah. also, like, maybe he cares about Darla and he cared about her a lot as Angelus, but he doesn't have that same, like, the way that, like, Drusilla and Spike are clearly in love the way that humans are in love, mm. or, you know, in a twist, dark, twisted version of that, yeah. like, he doesn't seem to have that thing. Like, he kind of, he really does feel like some sort of sociopath who is, like, he is just going through life yeah. and he has things and he knows how to act but he doesn't care about any of them. He only cares about, yeah, right, either chaos or wreaking havoc or proving to himself kind of maybe a little bit more like Adam, like experimenting with like what he can do and how far it can go. But he doesn't seem to be tied to anything, even as a vampire. Even Darla, I think you're absolutely right. I think she is clearly in love with him. Mm -hmm. He's not. 
as a yeah, vampire. Yeah, he's interested he's, in her. He, she's convenient and yeah. she's fun and, it, you know, he's, she's showing him all these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And he's She's valuable she's to him, maybe. Him. Exactly, yeah. but I don't think it's, and I think he says this later, like, I don't think it's real love. Yeah. Darla, on her part, absolutely. But I, I think it's no accident that human Darla is missing the vampire life, whereas, like, yeah. Angel, not human, but has a soul, so they're similar in that regard. And all he does is look back on his past with, like, loathing and yeah. regret and like he would never wish that on like his on worst somebody. enemy yeah and, um i just think that's that's the part that i think is interesting but i don't think that's where they're really trying to yeah yeah this. again it's really supposed to be about like how could he deal with the love of his life coming back and it's like it's just not the story no. <laughs> um oh i did think that i did re- just get reminded of something i wanted to talk about back in the last episode though um Another thing that I thought actually was just kind of an interesting thing going on in the background of the Buffy and Spike interaction is that, so like we see that, you know, he throws a few punches at her and he, the chip gets activated, but as they're fighting in the alley, it kind of like down the line in the episode, he, it seems, he doesn't quite say this, but it seems to be the first time that he realizes like, oh, if I'm not trying to hurt you, it doesn't affect me. Mm -hmm. The chip doesn't activate. I guess I just thought that was very interesting that it's like, actually the other thing that Spike's getting out of this interaction is he's kind of testing the boundaries of his chip and figuring out what he can and can't do. Not to say that that's going to come to much fruition, but I just thought it was kind of interesting that it's like, actually it does make sense that he would be trying to figure out how much something, what he, how far can he go before, you know, can he still wreak havoc or be violent or whatever? I thought that was a little bit like, oh yeah, testing and getting something out of this too. Anyway, but yeah, so Darla... Darla's fine. I guess it's also kind of sad because they finally got this great ensemble together. Like, few moments of Cordelia, Wesley, and Gunn all there was, like, a really fun scene. And then they're, like, pretty much not in the rest of the episode. Which, again, when it's mostly flashbacks, that's fine. But then it's, like, it's really just, like, you got this great cast finally together. Like, use all of them. Don't just focus on this one storyline because it's just not the strongest point. So I know it's not the same cast, but I do want to talk about assembling a cast together. And, like, I do think the flashbacks were four of them... As yes. a, I mean, as much as maybe Darla and Angel don't have chemistry or, like, that stuff, but, yeah. like, together, like, They're Darla playing group. off of Drusilla and, like, no patience for her, like, mumbo-jumbo, and she's like, of course you do. Like, yeah. you know, her <laughs> impatience with her and Drusilla calling her grandmommy and, you know, all of this stuff, I think, is just so enjoyable to That's watch. That's true. And I love the scene where it's slow-mo, they're They're... moving, but I (laughs) love the way they play the same scene twice in two episodes, and it has two different meanings. Totally. In the first episode, Spike's triumphant, he's like, this is the best night of his life, Mm -hmm. he's strutting through the fire, like, yeah, this is, like, amazing, and then we see this exact same scene, and it's Angel and Darla, and Darla's starting to dawn on her that Angel hasn't come back to her, Mm -hmm. and Angel is, like, miserable, he's in the middle of, like, this rebellion of like human suffering and yeah. death and like <laughs> fears everywhere place. and he's trying to like keep up this facade and yeah. it's like the worst place to be yeah and i don't know like i just love that like that is such a good scene though yeah. anyway it just filmed nicely and it's like yeah it's fun to watch people stroll through fire <laughs> yeah. but i think like it really like shows the different sides of this group dynamic yeah. that they have and that they have their own individual little like dynamics happening mm-hmm. in between with the bigger group but i that scene when they're underground and angels like fighting with spike over getting them thrown out of like yet another like respectable mm-hmm. city or something it's like it's just great yeah. yeah yeah and uh kind of in the same way you know in the in the in the spike episode we see when they tell angel and darla that that spike killed a slayer angel is really cranky about it and it definitely comes across as though he's jealous i was definitely like Ugh, mm. angel just being but also cranky like, angel in the moment concerned because spike's killed a slayer like concerned in what way you mean like 
Angel has a soul at this point. Right, right, right. just informed him that he's still oh, of the course. person. But that's but... what I'm that's what I'm saying that in the oh. first episode before you real maybe you don't realize that Angel oh. is Angel has his soul yeah. back. It really just plays off as yeah, though he's he's jealous over yeah. that Spike's finally kind of done this thing that he hasn't ever done himself. And then in the next episode realizing that like oh that's not really what he was coming at it from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um it's nice to be reminded of why I like Spike sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, why did I get this? Why did I fall for this fandom? But like, oh, because he's great. Yeah, and as much as Darla, I think, isn't working as successful as maybe they want, like, I'll, some of this does get me excited for what's to come with the story. Like, we are going to delve more into their past. And it's their funny, though, and... that you say that because the what I'm remembering is that we're finally, I'm looking forward to the different parts of season two that we're going to get, which, and as I was saying about how, like, oh, it sucks that they're not using the whole ensemble here. I th- the way that I remember season two ending is with an ensemble situation mm-hmm. um, that also involves Lauren. Yes. And I'm excited for that. No, but I mean, even the Darla stuff is going to get better before it stops, I think. Like, we're going to get some people coming back. I'm reserving judgment until it happens, because I don't, I don't remember. Well, we're going to see the... Well, I know some people that are coming yeah. back, but... Anyway, sorry. Let me, can we just say also, though, that, like, Lindsay... This is just not Lindsay's best look. Why would he, he's just so gross that like, he clearly, I don't know, he just likes her because she's like, quote unquote, vulnerable. It's just like very bad. Well, I do like the moment where Darla tells him, it's not me that you want to screw. And I was like, that's actually a very interesting <laughs> idea, both <laughs> metaphorically and. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that just like came off in a really gross way. And it's not even that I don't buy it. It was just like. I think it's meant to. I don't know. I guess it's just, I guess I felt like they a little bit think that, like, Lindsay is this kind of, like, sad sap, you know, also another fool for love, perhaps, but it's, like, he's, he's only known her for, like, at Wolferman Heart. So. Yeah, no, I just, like, I just didn't, it didn't, it didn't do anything for me. Even at the end when he's kind of, like, he's about to call Angel to ask for help, and it's, like, I don't care about you. I will care about Lindsay, I think, but I, in this moment, I was, like, you're doing nothing for his character. <laughs> All right, so what do we have next time? Um, so for Buffy, it's the episode called Shadow. Uh, not necessarily looking forward to that. Um, and for Angel, it's an episode called The Shroud of Ramen. Okay. Which I don't remember. The name sounds familiar, I and think I think I I'm going to enjoy it. I vaguely remember what this is about. But, <laughs> but I don't know. so much of Angel, there, like, there are moments mm-hmm. that I remember, but I don't remember which episode they yeah. happen in. I see Gunn in the little screenshot, so that bodes well. Okay. <laughs> it's not about Darla. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. That's what I've got. Yeah. Okay. What team are you on this week? <sighs> team Spike. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to be. Yeah. Uh, team William the Bloody. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's really a Team Effulgent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't really have any, uh, we're doing this kind of out of order, but I don't really yeah. have any pop culture recommendations, but I do want to mention that I finally watched an episode of Terra House <laughs> I was just going to say, like, that's my recommendation, even though I've given it, like, four different times. I mean, you, we definitely, you jumped in in the, like, totally in the middle of things, like, not. It's bonkers, It is I bonkers, yeah. Like, Those are particularly bonkers people episodes, People just, though. like, walk in the house and announce, I'm looking for love, and, like, you're, actu- you're actually, like, looking at the people that are supposed to be your candidate pool, <laughs> so and it's so awkward, and they're all totally fine with it. Like, the guys are just like, cool, yeah, yeah. like, you're looking at me, like, you definitely want to, like. I do think that's something that's changed a little bit as the show has gone on longer because now it's a more famous show. So like in, 
it's always been, it's from the very first episode that has been a thing that people sit around the table and they're like, I'm 23 and I'm interested, I'm here looking for someone and these, this is my type. Like that has always been a part of it, but it's gotten a little bit more expected that like now everybody knows as soon as you go come in the house, that's what people are going to ask you. Also very interesting that they literally come in and give you like a dating profile. Like yeah. they're like, I'm 23, this is my name and this, this is, is my, my type. Like, yeah. <laughs> that I'm looking for. Um, and so out of the three options that I have in this house, like, yeah. do any of you fit in this narrow definition? Um, it's kind of interesting. But the show is in an interesting point right now, and they always release episodes kind of in batches, and then you get left with this like unbearable cliffhanger, and you have to wait for like two or three months before they release the next batch of episodes. Meanwhile, life is still happening, and you can, if you want to, see things on social media that you maybe shouldn't see because it kind of spoils things that are going to happen. Um but I've been waiting for a really long time for these episodes, and they are, like, totally living up to what I needed from them. So Opening New Doors is the, like, fourth season of the show. It's been pretty good. It's much better than the last one. And there's just some really cool characters. I love Subasa also. <laughs> Great. So watch Terrace House. Yeah. Don't watch Aloha State, the one where they're in Hawaii. No? No. Okay. E- only if you get through everything else and you're like, well, I just need to know because I'm a completist, then you can watch it. But it's terrible. Okay. One good thing happens pretty much in the whole run of it. It's not worth it. It's not, it, it, yeah. Only worth it if you feel diehard about it, not worth it to just watch it. And it will definitely make you think this is a bad show if you start with that one. I will say I didn't know that there were the commentators. Oh, yeah. That great. is the best part of it, I think. <laughs> it is. It's like a room full of adults watching these young, like, 20-year-olds, yeah. like, try to mate. And it's, like, really <laughs> weird. And they're pretty much there to, like, poke fun at people. Yeah. Well, some of them. And then some of them are there to just be like, well, this is probably what they're feeling. It's cute. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Yep. Bye, phone. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.